So that's, I'm going to say this really, really slowly because I don't know that it's ever happened in your lifetime. And you are. And you're how old? 27? 27. The Minnesota Timberwolves have never started with a 15 and 4 record. And I would dare to say the Minnesota Timberwolves have never been this good. Well, starting with a 15 or 4 record, pretty much equals. <laughs> They've never been this good. I mean, they did have a team that finished first in the Western Conference and had an opportunity, minus some celebrations and some injuries while celebrating, <laughs> to go to the NBA Vitals. That team finished really strong. But never has a Minnesota Timberwolves team been this good this early and boasting the number one defense in the NBA and continually to prove on a night in and night out basis, whether it's for an entire game or just at crunch time when it's needed most, that they got the lockdown chops. 27 years, man. You know what they say, right? Defense wins championships. <laughs> Number one ranged defense in the league right now. Um, I don't want to say by a wide margin, but they have 106 and then Celtics are 109. Something like that. 108. Something like that. Yeah, every three points. Oh, and by the way, those are the number one team in the West and the number one team in the East. Damn. <laughs> uh, listening to the Coach in the Culture podcast. Welcome in. We are just kind of relishing in the moment. Um, I might call this the Toot Our Own Horn show. got to do it every once in a while. Every once in a while, you just got to pat yourself on the back. Don't want to get too cocky. It's only 19 games in. It's early. But we're going to do some tooting today. We're going to act like we had a whole bowl of chili and we're going to be sitting <laughs> I am Coach Frank uh, and my partner over here, my, uh, my, my life savior, the man saved my life, my son, Lance Gardner, also owner of Yes Trees and co host of the Coach in the Culture podcast. And of course, none other than the super producer himself, Lloyd Leon Coop. Over there making us look good, making us sound good, making us feel good. Welcome to the Culture to Culture podcast, where we talk about Minnesota Timberwolves and whatever else might be going down in the Twin Cities, whether it be basketball or our landscape. And right now, it's all about the Timberwolves. I went to the Target Center a few weeks back. It was a Wednesday night, and just the traffic getting into downtown was ridiculous. Uh, getting into the arena was ridiculous. It was the Pelicans game when Zion didn't play. Timberwolves blew him out. But I just said, oh, wow, this is real. They're the hottest ticket in town. Yeah. And uh, they're not doing anything to make people stay away. No, we're bringing just more and more people in. And I'm starting to see articles on Facebook. And uh, I don't really use X, mainly Facebook, talking about how slowly but surely the Timberwolves are the last hope for this uh <laughs> um, when it comes to the state of minnesota um they're they're definitely making noise and it's just leaps and bounds difference between what what the other teams are doing right now 
Yeah, well, you know, I think the Vikings might have been on a roll, and then and then uh, there's a reason why I call it why it's called the Achilles heel. <laughs> if you know your mythology, <laughs> right? It's like you know your Greek mythology, and um, yeah, and or is it Roman mythology? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> Either way, this sucks. Yeah, if it, if it, if it ruptures, you're not doing anything athletically. That's what we know. And uh, so the Vikings are trying to. Uh, yeah, they're trying to make something out of nothing. The Wild already fired one coach, actually two coaches out at the same time. <laughs> and you get a pink slip, and you get a pink slip. So it's the Timberwolves or bust right now, man, because I don't think anybody has faith in the Gophers, men's or women's, and the football team basically fell flat on their face the last few games. So, But you know what? Here's something very interesting a lot of people don't know. Mm -hmm. The first collegiate basketball game in the United States of America was played in Minnesota, Hamlin University. The Minnesota State High School basketball tournament predates the Minnesota State High School hockey tournament by a little bit over 30 years, I believe. Uh, the Minnesota State High School basketball tournament was the event to be at in the early 1900s. The only event in the entire state of Minnesota that brought more people into one building, into one event um, statewide was the Minnesota State Fair. Mm. So this has always been a basketball state. And I know we go by the moniker of the state of hockey, but this has always been a basketball state. This state has roots in basketball. You know, Minneapolis Lakers, a lot of people know that history. Um, so we've waited a long time for a team that I think we could believe in. Kevin Garnett gave us Years of excitement and years of we're just going to outwork everybody else, right? And outbreak everybody else. And we're going to make the playoffs every year, even when we probably don't have the talent to make the playoffs. And that's why they had one of the eight straight first round exits or something like that. And of course, in true Minnesota fashion, the year they finally get it rolling, they lose their number one point guard dancing. I mean, you can't make it up. Right. And and since then, the only other year of excitement we've had uh, was the Jimmy Butler year. And that wasn't exciting. That was like, this is a good team that is like watching nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> Just no joy. It's like, you know, it's like being that year was like being a depressed, miserable millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> right, just like traveling everywhere, it just didn't look good at all. Oh, it just looked like nobody was having fun. It, it just looked like it looked like so. It looked like Ike Turner was just browbeating Cat and, and Andrew Wiggins into winning games. Right, come with y'all. Right, and so and so here we are, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, and not only are they winning, but it's fun. And um, I was listening to the Dane Moore NBA podcast and Dane uh, was talking with Kawatagi about how like the target center was standing up and giving standing ovations for defensive possessions or defensive rebounds. And you you played for me. You grew up, you know, with me mentoring you as a basketball player. Any team I've ever coached, even over at Richfield High now, uh, Coach Omar calls me the maniacal defensive rebounding assistant, right? <laughs> Because you know how much I love defense. I love good defensive basketball. And, and one thing that I know that the fans in Minnesota appreciate, no matter what sport, no matter what they're doing, one thing I will give to Minnesota is 
the fans of Minnesota, the people of Minnesota really appreciate someone that is working really hard with substance. Not just look like you're working hard, but it's all flash. But somebody that they can see is like, oh yeah, this is, they are, they are really putting the effort out there. Even bad most teams, when the effort was there, fans would appreciate it. Right. I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that we don't get too many high-quality names just because of where we are. So right. The success that we do find comes from that, not coming from paying our way in championships or having the market or the desire of someone to come and move here and play for us. And so our success comes from that grit, that determination, that hard work. Um, so I think that plays a big part until I can see that here. And we don't suffer. Oh, we know suffering. As Minnesota fans of sports, boy, do we know suffering. And so, and so when you have a team that is doing it with, um, you know, yeah, there's some style. We did an episode a few weeks back talking about uh, Finch and his boring bunch of ballers. Um, and, and what we meant by that was they're not trying to score 140 points and be flashy. They're just trying to methodically bludgeon team in the submission. And, but fans are finding that that's not boring. That's exciting. That's fun. And you know, my philosophy on defense has always been when you see that look in your opponent's face, when they're just like, get away from me. Just, uh, get, uh, just leave me alone. When you see that frustration in your opponent, when they just are suffocated and it just makes you, it's like, like blood in the water for sharks. It's just like, and I always told my team, you you want that you I had a a, a girls team I was coaching and, and and they were seventh graders so they were young and we're just I, I told my team I said everywhere they go touch them when they come out of this uh out of a timeout before the ref even gives them the ball touch them yeah. and and I had a play guard that took that really to heart and so she's just just forearming just touching this girl just touching this little girl everywhere she went Ref hasn't even handed the, the other team the ball yet to throw it in bounds and the, and the little girl looks at the ref and she's got tears in her eyes and she says, man, stop touching me, and right? And I looked at my, my point guard who was the one doing the work and I, and I smiled and said, yeah, we got it, we got it, right? And, and that that's the, to me, that's the most beautiful basketball right now. That's the type of basketball that the Timberwolves are playing. Um, Steve Clifford, the Charlotte Hornets head coach, had the nerve, the audacity to go in his post the game press conference last night and say that in the second half, one of the reasons that they, for the outcome of the game is the second half, they couldn't get a foul call. And that just blew me away because I had already looked at the stats. You know how many free throws Carl Anthony Towns shot last night? Not too many. Zero. Zero. And you know, Cat, it's either a three or a drive. So you mean to tell me every time he drove to the basket, he didn't get fouled once? Right. And so you know what that is from an opposing head coach? Frustration. Stop touching me. Right? It was a beautiful thing. And so that's where we're at. And speaking of which, speaking of we don't get high-profile players, that's why we're going to do our own. <laughs> yep. Because the ones we got, we needed to hold on for dear life. Well, you know, last year, in the offseason, before last season, the Minnesota Timberwolves made the worst trade in NBA history. Yep, and then a year later, we're at, uh, what's he? I think we're in first place. And they made the worst trade in NBA history because how are they going to get any stops? How are they going to play any defense? Rudy Gobert isn't worth all of that. Because every team was the Warriors, right? 
in the era where the NBA is playing small ball, these idiots, I believe that was the exact word Charles Barkley used, these idiots, you know, going to run out there two centers and Cat's not going to be able to do this and Cat's not going to be able to do that. According to stat news, you know who are the number one and number two individual player defensive ratings in the entire NBA right now? Both of them? Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Thomas. The dudes that they said will never be able to play defense on the floor to get those idiots. And so I was a little frustrated this week. I got, I got to go to my phone notes. I was a little frustrated this week because I'm listening to podcasts. You know me, I listen to everybody's uh, 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 podcast, right? Um, Flake the Kyle's Day Morning NBA podcast, CND uh, NBA podcast, um, all of the, the Boy Lakes podcast. I listen to all of them, right? And I heard more than one talk about how Tim Connolly was able to see what nobody else could see. There is uh, an article on Hoops Habit, uh, and I'll read you the headline for the heart article. Our own Tyler Robert Key explains why we all owe Timberwolves general manager Tim Connolly an apology after their strong start. I don't owe Tim nothing. <laughs> I don't owe Tim nothing at all. We, we don't owe Tim nothing at all. And the reason why we don't owe Tim nothing at all, if you want to know, is go back to our May 15th episode last year titled Trust Fall, in which we talked about how the Timberwolves, because of Carl Anthony Towns' absence last year and their inability to develop continuity, the biggest thing you could see that they were lacking that they needed to build was trust. I believe there's a quote from Carl Anthony Towns that came out after the last game that said, I trust everybody in this locker room. So does winning beget trust or does trust beget winning? Which one first, the chicken or the egg, right? It may be a little bit of a midline, a little bit of both. You can't win without trust. But the more you win, the more trust you build, yeah. right? But we talked about that. May 15th. Check it out. If you're a first-time listener, go back to our archives. Listen to the May 15th episode called Trust Fall. May 26th. Your first time, I think, joining the podcast. Title, Yes Trees and No Trade, featuring Lance Yard. What did we talk about? We don't want to trade, Cat. All this team needs is time together in continuity. The pieces are there. You don't just get rid of all NBA talent because something didn't work right away when you were missing all NBA talent for 55 games. Keep them together and build continuity. A whole episode talking about that. We almost begged. And we were begging, don't do it. While everybody else is saying, we got to trade Cat. Mm-hmm. Got to do this, got to do that, right? At bare minimum. You don't trade Cat just to see because as we talked about on that podcast, uh, he was out 55 games. Yeah. So at bare minimum, you don't trade him just because you didn't even get to see what it could what be. It not, could be. not that it was kind of working and maybe have a little hope for next year. There was nothing to go off of. So how could you possibly want to trade him? So, yeah, we definitely talked about that um, for a while in that podcast. I think it was almost the whole thing. And we were just kind of going back and forth about how you know, we want instant gratifica- gratification, um, and we just expect, you know, this big trade, all this 
all this noise to just instantly we're supposed to be championship contenders, which normally doesn't work that way in the first place, but especially when you're trying to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, having two bigs is, you know, obviously not a, a norm um, when they're both, you know, seven footers and one of them is not too agile on the perimeter. So Although he was real agile on defense, boy. He's coming around out there. And actually, I've seen him make some offensive moves this year while I went, okay, making Rudy and Kevin in the lab together. I've seen him go ahead and drop step a couple of left hands, and he's just turning around and just dunking on heads. We they're probably playing one on one, and Rudy's got to get the ball. One in on the to do that. So right, um, that that might help some too. Oh, man. No, definitely should go back and listen to that. I'm probably gonna go back and listen to it myself just to know exactly what we said. Um, but I know it's pretty dang close to what's going on right now. Why it's you know evident that we had to give this another shot before we just decided we were gonna trade one of our all star superstar NBA caliber players for what. Right. Dame Lillard was the only person we talked about right. as a possible addition to the right. Wolves. If you look at the team now, I personally, with what we have, I'd rather have Mike Conley facilitating this team than Dame because, yes, our scoring um, is not, you know, top 10 in, in the league. But um, defensively, I, I really don't think Dame was the solution to getting us a, a championship. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Defense wins championships with reality. Well, I, you know, and, and Dame is that so, you know, and, and they probably would have traded Mike Kiley in, a, in, a, in another type of trade had they traded Cat for Dame, but I don't think if Dame Lillard was on this team right now, he'd be second in the league in defensive rate. Right. Oh, you just mentioned something that made me think. I was like, hmm, the Timberwolves had a day off today, and they're back to practice tomorrow. They don't play again till Wednesday. Man, if I would love for them to live stream on YouTube a one-on-one -on -one game up to seven between Cat and Rudy. You know how long that's going to take? <laughs> and probably not very long the way Cat shoots. But I don't know the way Rudy's getting out of cover. Like, you know, I think mean, them boys are going to be smacking them. It's going to get the bucket off one of them is going to be tough. Hey, and Cat never gets a foul call, so he can't call his own fouls. <laughs> in cool, but all the way getting, you got to keep it real. Uh, to keep with this thing, because like I said, we're going to do our own order a little bit. Because we don't owe anybody any apology. To keep it going, June 15th, title of the episode, Styles Make Fights and Fit. All the talk about how Cat and Rudy don't fit. Cat and Rudy don't fit. And what did we talk about? It's about finding your style with your personnel. But when you have elite level personnel, if you can find your style, you're going to cause problems for other team in the league, other teams in the league, because you have elite level personnel, right? Really, really talented players. If they can find their style, that will be the fit. And at the time, you know, we had some ideas about what that style could be. But we didn't have the answers. But what we knew was that if they find a way to find cohesion and work together, they're going to be a problem. Case in point, on the um, description of the show, it says, Coach Frank shares his thoughts as to why the Wolves could be very good next season. It says in the description, why the Wolves fully healthy would be and would have been the most difficult matchup for Denver personnel-wise, but why Denver's continuity would still have been the difference. So, right? So, and then it says keeping with the continuity theme. 
And it goes on to talk about, you know, what I talked about in terms of why they could be very good next season. So we don't owe any apology. We saw it coming. We said the difference between Denver and Minnesota in the playoffs last year was continuity and health, obviously. But we also talked about why, with continuity, the personnel the Timberwolves have could make them a really good team this season. Well, guess what Chris Finch talked about coming into the season with continuity? So, what, what position they had again? The first. And they needed, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, all seven of them games that he said, he, he specifically says seven games yeah. at the beginning of the year. Yep. That they were going to win just because they knew each other. Yeah. Just he, because they had the whole offseason together. They brought back the same core. And those seven games are the difference right now between being that one seed with all this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And being fighting for the five, six, seven seed as they were doing last year. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's exactly it. How, how, the starter you get off to, right, can be huge in the final standings and hopefully that continuity while all these other teams were making their moves and trying to, you know, fine tune and tweak their roster or make major moves like Milwaukee. Right. Um, he, he talked about how he's hoping that that continuity would give them an early season advantage. And here we are 20 games in and what's clear is even with injuries, even with, you know, even with, with missing some key pieces, um, their style hasn't really wavered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, last night's game being an indicator, I believe that game was tied or a one-point game with three minutes to go. And, and then Mike Conley with Jedi Yoda out there at the point guard position, but the defense. Oh, man, Rudy was everywhere, everywhere on defense. And, and you get wins. And speaking of the defense, again, continuing with the theme of what's going on this year, August 2nd episode title. August 2nd, season ain't started yet. Preseason hasn't started yet. What's the title of the episode? Defense, defense, defense. And we discuss how the free agent signings, bringing back Naw, Troy Brown Jr., right, were a sign that they were making a commitment to strong perimeter defense and not just leaning on Rudy on the defensive end of the floor and how uh, this year's offense, that continuity and that style, could be could play a role in the Timberwolves being a top five defense this year. And having said that, imagine if they didn't have the turnover rate that they have, or if they defensive rebounded the basketball a little bit better and weren't where they're at in the league and offensive rebounds given up. I'm willing to say that that 106 defensive rating is probably somewhere down near 100. Yeah, and those uh, points for game is going up. So now you are a top 10. Team yeah. in the league because you're getting more possession. So yeah, yeah, they're they're still, you know, no team's going to be perfect. They're still working on their, you know, mainly turnovers and rebounding. Those are the two things that we've identified as yeah. main concerns. Um, but while they're working on those two things, there's a lot of teams that are working on a whole lot more than that. Word. Um, and so they definitely need to get fixed and better mm-hmm. um, if they want to win a championship. But to say we only really need to work on two things to be a championship caliber team is, is pretty cool. So, I mean, then get some guys going, you know, and we're going to talk and we're going to recap the week that was um, and kind of start at the beginning of the week. But I do kind of want to throw this nugget in about the Charlotte game uh, last night is that Charlotte was in the game and scored almost 60 points. I believe they had 58 points or something like that in the first half, primarily because the Wolves committed 
eight turnovers and they were getting beat on the boards. Yeah. Right. And then in the second half, I believe the Wolves only committed three second half turnovers and they ended up winning the overall rebounding battle. And, you know, they, they, they got a six point win and you can say, well, that's a bad Charlotte team, you know, but first off, any win that you can get when you're missing two starters in the NBA on the road is a good win. Second off, a couple of things we haven't always equated this team with is composure and intelligence and um, their composure down the stretch. Cats' composure play with fouls early in the game and then being big in the fourth quarter. And then, like I said, Mike Conley, if I, I wish we were at that level yet where we could have a, a, a screen up and just go over a series of plays. And Dane Moore actually does this on, on X, Twitter. I'm not gonna call it X. Okay, be be mad if you want on Twitter, and he and he will, you know, show some highlights of some plays and talk about them a little bit. But oh my goodness, I would love to be sitting in a room with people and really asking what they are comprehending in terms of what Mike Kylie was doing out there, and then going over it with them because that was next level Jedi stuff. Oh my goodness, just the little things that he did in terms of how he manipulated the space. And there was a play where they got an offensive rebound and the ball came, comes back out. So it's a short shot caught because, you know, he resets the 14 after an offensive rebound. And Rudy's sitting in the post wanting the ball and Cats pointing at Mike Kylie to give him the ball. And Mike Kylie waves Rudy to the corner, right? Which is, they, Rudy's in the corner. So you know the help's not going to be sitting out in the corner off of Rudy. And then Mike veers over to the opposite side of the floor, just outside of the right lane line, and then calls Cat over for screen and roll game, right? So by doing that, you know, because it's NBA, they have defensive three seconds, so you can't just sit a guy in the paint. So by doing that, he's opened up more space on that side of the floor with the awareness that they're not going to play Rudy as a three-point shooter, right? So he's creating a alley for Cat. And then when they ran the, the screen and roll game, he threw the pocket pass ahead of Cat, which was leading Cat on a full sprint as he caught the ball downhill so that the help man, even though they were cheating over, still couldn't get over in time to stop Cat's layup. And it led Cat to the front of the rim as opposed to the left side of the rim where now that help man can get over. It's, you know, I, I, if I had it on video, I could explain it better. But that and then the other play where Mike Conley got the three-point play out of it, where he do what we call a, um, a, a kick-ahead dribble. He threw the ball out ahead so he could turn the corner on the big man, creating a sprint situation, and it stops on a dive, gives him a little lean, and then kisses off the glass for the and one. Like, that level of thinking in crunch time, you know, the, the, the second one was, you know, you'll see a lot of really good guards make that play. The first one was like genius level IQ stuff to navigate spacing when we're literally talking about a matter of maybe a foot. Right. You know, a foot difference between the help side being able to stock at and the help side not being able to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and so those are things we haven't always equated with the Wolves. And uh, with Mike Conley on the floor uh, and then Rudy's IQ on the defensive end and then Cat, I think, being nurtured by those veteran guys and showing composure. This seems dangerous, bro. <laughs> we, we, uh, we've definitely seen that. Um, and, you know, looking back two years ago, just all the things that you were just saying, we had D'Lo as our point guard. 
and none of that was being done. No, that was going to be a shot. That was being done. None of that. And you know, be over and shoot it. I say that because I had someone that posted top five all the time Timberwolves roster, and they had D-Lo at the point guard. And as we've already discussed over the past two podcasts, my Timberwolves watching and and, uh, and being a fan of has been over the past probably five years. So the two point guards, three I've seen really is Ricky Rubio that had a name to them: Ricky Rubio, D-Lo, and Mike Conley, and. They didn't put Steph up there. People still mad at Steph. <laughs> yeah, Steph left. You can be mad at Steph for leaving, and you can say he was childish and all of that. But Steph was a baller. Yeah, and he also knew what he was doing at the time. Um, unfortunately, but it's the truth. Um, but I, I, I put Mike Conley over that D-Lo picture any single day of the week, and he's only been here for a year. And I, I don't know how you could possibly, a basketball, anything, putting it together, Timberwolves starting five and her picking D-Lo over Mike Conley just off in the last two years. I don't even know how that's possible. I'd have put Sam Cassell over D-Lo. I mean, Sam Cassell wasn't here very long, but right now, today, for a complete season, the best season that team's ever had, uh, Sam Cassell made clutch fourth quarter basket after clutch fourth quarter basket after clutch fourth quarter basket. Um, and Obviously, he was such an important part of what that team did that when he got hurt, championship hopes were dashed. We're going to take a quick break from the Coach in the Culture podcast, but please hit the like button, subscribe. It's the only way we're going to know that you're listening and we could use all the likes that we can get. So we'll be right back with the Coach in the Culture podcast. You know how many games I watched San Francisco play? Uh, probably none. <laughs> I've watched about three, and he wasn't playing any of them for the Timberwolves. So um, I personally have taken Mike Conley over that. Uh, oh, yeah, I would take Mike right now over Sam. Over D-Lo. Oh, definitely I, over D-Lo. I, this is strictly a D-Lo thing. When I saw his picture, <laughs> if it was Sam Cassell, I wouldn't have said nothing. If it was Stephon Arbery, I wouldn't have said nothing. If it was Steph Curry going in and play a game for us, I wouldn't have said nothing. Now, in D-Lo's defense, mm-hmm. D-Lo's defense, he was definitely a part of the turnaround. Without Delo's play in the first playing game two years ago, they don't make the playoffs to go up against Memphis and kind of create this energy that started to build. So I don't want to totally shortchange Delo, but when you talk about who's the better player for this team, so far, Mike Kiley has exceeded what Delo's ceiling was for this team. Just because of Mike Conley, whether we've done anything or not, the excitement that he like, I love watching him play basketball. Yeah, I did. I despise to watch you D-Lo play basketball. There's <laughs> a big difference. I'm like, what are you doing, D-Lo, versus what we just talked about with Mike Conley? The difference. I know basketball, and so watching him play, I'm yes, D-Lo is talented. I did not like watching him play basketball. Yeah. And Mike's assist to turnover ratio and crunch time decision making does a lot. No. Like the proof is in the pudding. No. Um, so the last three games, um, there's a couple of games in there that we really expected to win, and we did. Um, and then there was another game. So we, we, we played OKC first over the last three games since we had our podcast. Let's start there. Yep. Um, OKC first, where um, we had the. Unfortunate Anthony Edwards injury uh, in a game that we talked about last podcast being extremely important, and we knew it was going to be um, a good matchup for the Timberwolves and really test them. Yeah, um, and I think it did. And um, you know, in the same time we got tested, our 
superstar that we talk about every single week. Um, you know, got a hit pointer, which we talked about earlier, and we both have experienced uh, before. Uh, and if you haven't experienced one, uh, you should be grateful and blessed because it hurts. It hurts. So here's, here's what I thought about. So I don't know how many listeners out there have ever dunked a basketball. And when I say dunked a basketball, I don't mean like you got up there or somebody threw you a loud and you got up there and you like to. I mean, I don't know how many listeners have ever had their forearm over the rim. There's a difference between this. Right. And this. Right. Like I've I, I looked at eye level at the rim before in a college game. Actually, one time I jumped so high on a dunk that on the way down, I was a little scared. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is high. Oh, uh, my eyes was looking at the net. All right, I got to the net, I get to the rim, but my arms are long, so you got the height, I got the height. <laughs> so, so if you never fall into, this is what I would say, climb about seven feet up in, on a ladder, whatever, whatever rung is seven feet, climb seven feet up on your ladder and jump off and, jump off and land right on your head. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean if, if you want to know what Anthony Edwards felt. The good part about that is, is you're going to be okay. My hit pointer is very temporary. Um, it, it does hurt like for hell. A, a week or two or three. Like hell. Um, but once you know, another's broken, you know you're going to recover at full speed. You're going to be okay. So, um, But it hurts. And Ooh, it hurts. When he fell, I mean, I, I knew instantly what it was. I think we all do. Anyone that has played basketball yeah. probably experienced that or a bruised tailbone, which we talked about. Oh, my God. And so, so I think I'd almost rather have a hit point than the bruised tailbone. Because <laughs> when you bruise your tailbone, it hurts to do anything. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, so down again. If you want to try that one, after you get done, <laughs> after you finally mop yourself up off the floor from jumping on your hip off of a ladder, go ahead and jump straight backwards off of a ladder and land on your butt and see how that feels. Don't do that either. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, we've talked about it time and time again. They found a way to win the game. Absolutely. Um, you want to talk a little bit about um, what you saw in that day? Um, I was nervous. Uh, even before Ant got hurt, they were. it was one of them situations where I felt like Oklahoma City was out playing. Or Shea was doing Shea stuff. We talked about it when we previewed the game last weekend, that Shea was going to um, take all of the smack talk that the kill gave him all summer long while they were playing for Team Canada about how he locked him up in that playing game and he was going to take it out on the wolf. And I believe he went for 32 and most of that against the kill. He was like, look here, cuz, fool me once, he ain't going to fool me again. And uh, it also I was reminded that, and I'd forgotten about that, I was reminded, I think Jim Peterson talked about it on the broadcast that in that playing game, uh, Rudy Gobert basically concussed Shea. <laughs> so he play, I mean, he played the rest of the game, but I'm pretty sure if it was a regular season game, he probably wouldn't have finished that game. I forgot when he concussed him with an elbow in that game. Uh, so we knew that was going to happen. Sacramento, I mean, excuse me, Oklahoma City uh, just kind of seemed to have control of the game. Second half, Ant kind of decided, like, I'm not going to let them take control of this game. He scores 11 straight points. And so... He's almost single-handedly keeping the Wolves in it. And then he gets hurt, and you kind of go, now what? Right? And how are they going to close out the fourth quarter of this game where they have to go up against a known fourth-quarter assassin, and they don't have their best 
weapon to counteract that on the floor. And in comes Troy Brown Jr. Yeah. Says, I got you, I got you, homie, next man up. <laughs> yeah. And and, um, and we talked about that when they made the free agent signings of him and Shake Milton and brought back Naw that, you know, role definition was gonna be important. We talked about in our season preview how there's gonna be some stretches where Troy Brown Jr. is eyeing it up. There's gonna be some stretches where Naw is eyeing up, and then there's also gonna be some stretches where they're really cold and you just got to live with the streakiness. And that's already kind of played out this season. Um, but again, the defense and timely shooting by Troy Brown Jr. And, and I think more than anything in that game, what I saw was them have an answer by the name of Rudy Gobert for um, what teams can do to attack them in a half-court setting. Their half-court defense is phenomenal. I believe they're number one in the league or number two in the league in half-court. I think they're number one in the league, probably by a wide margin, in half-court defense. And, you know, in the NBA in the fourth quarter in the last three, four minutes of a game, this goes down to a half-court game. And what you're finding is that Rudy Gobert is just a one-man wrecking crew on the defensive end of the floor in a half-court setting. You know, and then you double that up with what Cat's doing, and it's what we talked about. You know, if Rudy leaves the paint, you got to deal with Cat. If Cat's out covering on the perimeter, he can funnel his man to Rudy. And it's not just the funneling his man to Rudy, but now both of them are playing with active and big hands. And so your passing angles are decreased because they're so long. That team is so long. And that's what you saw even with Troy around Rudy. He's 6'7". So you got Troy Brown Jr. out there six seven. We got Kyle Anderson out there. You know, I think he finished that game instead of Nall at six ten, six eleven. Cat six eleven. Rudy seven one. And they're funneling closing space and contesting shots with Lake and closing passing angles with Lake. And it worked against you know an elite team. I think you know in Oklahoma City, Rudy was able to shut down the lane against Chet. Recover out to stop other people and then get back to Chet and Chet 7 1, yeah. you know, over. And so that's what I saw with elite level defense, title shot making in a team that is not going to go against their identity, no matter who's on the floor. And in some ways, obviously, the ball moves a little bit better when Ants is out on the floor, even though the Ants plus minus is off the charts, right? When he's on the floor, the Timberwolves are, you know, almost 20 points better than when he's off the floor. But they haven't had to play with him off the floor for long stretches. Right. And so um, they had to play a whole fourth quarter against an elite team with him off the floor. And they needed guys to make shots. And Cab made shots. And Troy Brown Jr. made shots. And their defense was, you know, didn't blink. Yep. And I mean, we talked about that. Um, you know, as they're, <clears throat> as they're scoring, there's going to be games where their scoring is limited. And then we, yeah. Yeah, we just talked about they're not. I think they're like 12 or 13, which is, it's slowly moving up, right? They're slowly, they're real close to being the top 10 offense as well as the number one defense. Yeah, and they're just outside of the top 10. So, um, but those defensive games are going to keep you in, I guess, yes. as the 100 to 102 games, 98 to 99 games, those type of games. And that's what this ended up being, 106 to 103. Yeah. Um, and we know, okay, so you can score the basketball. Yeah. So that's just another testament to the defense. And if you have that defense, you know, I've always thought that 
The defense is strictly effort, and you can control that at all times. At all times. Um, when it comes to offense, yeah, you're going to give your effort, but you can't control making the shot or not. Yep. Sometimes it just doesn't go in for you. And so that's why, you know, if you can bring your defense every single night, you know that you're going to hold teams. Now, yeah, you have a you know, there's going to be an outlier where teams just shoot there in the NBA. They're going to shoot the ball. They're going to make it. But majority of the nights, if you're bringing the defense that – Intent, the defensive intensity that they've been bringing with the talent and length that they have, it's going to keep them in those low-scoring games. Yeah, they're going to have a chance. Even, even you know, we'll get to the Charlotte game again, and not to keep coming back into it. But in the second half, you know, they didn't play great defense until down the stretch of the game, but they didn't play bad defense. You know, um, so you always have a chance if you can play defense. Um, and, you know, right now with what Kat and Nasri coming off the bench, what they're doing shooting-wise, that um, you're going to get enough offense to hang around. Yep. So they pulled out another win in OKC with Ant going down. Um, and real quick, I've noticed that Ant, it, there's been a few games now where he has um, come out in the second half just yes. sad over. Yeah, like I've he, seen that too. He's, he's in the flow of things in the first half. But in the second half, it just seems like he's got the green light to just set the tone for everybody else offensively is what, it, what I'm gathering is like, you know, we, we got a close game. I mean, they're not getting blown out in any of these games. So they're kind of giving Ant that green light to set the tone for the third quarter because if he's hot and he is making those shots that he's taking to start the third quarter, that can set the tone for the whole rest of the game. Um, and you have nobody on your team that's going to be able to do that better than him. And you're also, you know, I don't know if this is a set thing that they're kind of incorporating, but you're also letting him know, right? He's going to have that time for that freedom, which is which could be huge for a player, right? You play the first, second half, you know, you know, make sure that you're facilitating, make sure that you're incorporating everybody, no force your shots. But to start the second half, we're letting you loose. And as a player, if you can know if I can get through these first two halves. Uh, this this first, first quarter, quarter and make it to the third quarter, and I just got a twenty minute break, and my coach would let me do whatever I want. I'm more I'm more willing to kind of hang out in the first half and do what I'm supposed to do, and then go try to take over in that third quarter. I don't know if that's what Chris Finch and them are talking about, but I've noticed that he's shooting a lot coming out of that third quarter. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, I think he's gotten them off to good starts in the first quarters. I don't have the exact numbers, but I think he's one of the league leaders in first quarter scoring as well. Um, I'm curious, I, I'd be curious to know if there wasn't a conversation uh, with him after the Atlanta game. Uh, and we talked about that game, about how the way he came out in the third quarter kind of set the tone for that big collapse. And, and I've noticed that the games he's really come out on fire and with a certain level of bounce and energy and focus and purpose uh, in those third quarters have been you know, the games that have been, you know, those those big games. I feel like even though they lost, I feel like he did that in the Sacramento game. Um, definitely in the Oklahoma City game, we talked about he came out with 11 straight points. Um, or if the team is just a little sluggish to start the game, he seems like he's coming out in the third quarter with a sense of urgency, like, okay, let's go. Let's, 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 let's step it up. And you talked about it. You said that he – leads the charge in terms of what is the attitude and the energy of the team. You talked about it after the Atlanta game. I think, uh, I want to say it was Troy Brown Jr. Uh, in a post-game interview that talked about how even though Ant's really young, uh, he sets the tone, you know, and so 
And so um, I think it's a really good observation because I, I know it's the same thing. And it definitely held true against the Oklahoma City game. Um, I also say, and then we can move on from the Oklahoma City game. This team has so many veteran players with alls by their name. Mm-hmm. When you ask, you know, what did I see? I didn't see any panic when Ed got hurt. You know, I didn't see any, ah, oh, there goes the neighborhood. It was kind of like, yo, we got an all-NBA center, two of them. We got a, a point guard who's made an all-star team. Uh, we have, you know, Kyle Anderson is just a difference maker, even when he's not playing well, which he hasn't been playing great. But if you notice, he was struggling in that Oklahoma City game, and then when Ant went out, he kind of flipped the switch. Right. Right? Also, he couldn't make a shot. And then Ant went out, and all of a sudden, he made a few buckets. You know, like... It, 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 and so, you know, there was there's a confidence, I think, in that whole locker room that no matter who's on the floor, they can get it done. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, <clears throat> after the Thunder, they had the Jazz. Uh, held them to 90 points again. Um, they only, you know, the Wolves only scored 101, but the Jazz is not a fast-based team. Um, so yeah, yeah, offensively, they suck. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that they're not fast-based. They just can't score. And then they were missing their leading score. Right. Um, but held another team under 100 points, 90 to that, that. Um, and, and without Ann or Jake. Right. Um, and Troy Brown Jr. had another really good game. And Nikhil. Ooh, yeah, that's right. That Nikhil was- had a career game. With, as far as defensively, I think he had five steals and 20 points. He got 20 points. Yeah, yeah, like 20 points, eight rebounds or something like that, five steals. Like he was all over the place. It was, it was fun just watching because when the kills got it rolling on both ends of the floor, he's, he's kind of like Josh Kobe, and I, I have a little less fear of what's going to happen when the ball is in the kills' hands than I did with a young Josh Kobe mm-hmm. when the ball was in his hands. Although, yeah, so he got, he got a little, they got, they got a little sloppy. They got a little, a little, uh, excuse me, a little bored. Put started throwing crazy behind the back passes and stuff. But that's okay. Like you, you still got to enjoy the game. I mean, right. And you're winning. You're up. You're... Now, as a coach, I was feeling Chris Finch. He looked like he was ready to pull his hair out. And he's like, oh, I'm on, guys. But they focus. As soon as they got through the game, no, I was trying to add a quick, you know, recap and then said, okay, that's done and over with. So as a player, you know, you, you touch the water a little bit and just exactly. you know, out there. And, as long as you pull it out in your head, it's like, man, what you worried about? We we are all right. But that's what the players when when, when when Finch is not in earshot, the players <laughs> joke with each other. Yeah, can that coach get too comfortable? <laughs> right. Keep on his toes. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then that game, Chad had thirty two points. I mean, he's been he has been doing his thing. I mean, he's playing at all all star level, um, and and it's it's consistent now, and it. I'm just glad. I'm glad that we kept him. I'm glad that we decided we were going to listen to Lance and the Frank. <laughs> we're going to tap into the coach and the coach. <laughs> we changed their minds. So those guys know what they're talking about running back. Yeah. I mean, I think this might be the best all-around cat um, that, has, that we've ever seen. You know, we've seen him score more. We've seen him rebound more. We've never seen him play defense like this. Uh, he's always been efficient, but he's never been quite 50-40-90 where he's sitting right now. I mean, it's only 20 games in, but. That's, that's one thing I want to say real quick is it doesn't seem like what we're watching is just a, 
Maldonado. It doesn't seem like this is something that is going to dissipate over the next 20, 30 games, and now you look up and they are fighting for that 5, 6, 7 seed. It seems like because they found their style, as we've talked about, that if, you know, we say stay healthy, but, you know, there is every team. Yeah, but even then, they're finding ways that, like we just talked about, they're confident in who they have. And, yeah, they might not win as many games if they're not healthy every game, but they still are giving themselves a chance to win any game just by how they're approaching it with the talent that's on the court, which is huge. Because typically when you lose two starters, two all-star potential players, um, you're going downhill quick. And the Wolves are finding a way not to do that. And thankfully, like we said with Ant, you know, it's not going to be a long-term thing. So it doesn't feel like this is going to, you know, here today and gone tomorrow type of thing. I think that this, this feels sustainable. It feels like um, any team we play, as long as, I mean, unless a grenade dropped and something happened to where we are getting, fighting each other on the sideline or something, like, I don't see how this this alters from where we're currently at today. They say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Good teams always seem to find their way to some luck. And uh, if you're going to get injured, I mean, obviously fourth quarter against OKC is not the best time mm-hmm. to lose your star player. But if your next two games are Utah without Laurie Marketing and Charlotte without the mellow ball, like, you know, if you're going to have a hit pointer, that's the time to do it. You know, and so even it just feels like the vibe is even when it's bad, it's not as bad as it could be. You know, you're not in that stretch where you're playing at New Orleans and at Miami and in Philadelphia without that, you know. So, and no, man, you know, we talked about that 16 game stretch of coming and that'll tell us a lot, but, you know, it just seems like they're even getting injured at the right time. Right. So they beat the Jazz, then they played the Ornets um, with Alvamelo, like you just said. And um, it wasn't a pretty game um, until the last, like you said, three minutes of sports order. Beautiful. And, and Mike Conley uh, did what Mike Conley does, and he, he took over and he facilitated the team to a W. And Rudy on the defensive end. And Rudy on the defensive end, which yeah. have been the two kind of staples. Um, every Everybody... You know, it's style. It's their style. Yeah. It's what they do. Rudy is doing what Rudy does. Mike Conley is doing what Mike Conley does. Captain is doing what Captain has been doing for his almost entire career. Except, except now he's more <laughs> mature. He's, right. He's, his emotions are seeming to be in check for the time. Seems like he's learning. Yeah. And and a learning, you know, that's that's Cat's biggest flaw that we felt was, you know, on biggest one for Cat was him being soft. And him keeping his emotions in check makes him seem less soft. Yeah. It makes him seem like he has some durability and strength to him. On top of that, I've talked about how he's getting in the post. And he's he's not deep in the post, as we've discussed, but he's getting his back to the basket and he's being physical with these smaller guards, or not guards, but smaller players that are having to guard him. And that's one thing that everyone was talking about with Cat, was why are you not in the post? Why are you standing on the three-point line and always driving into the lane? And for me, Seeing him go down there and get physical is another way of saying that Cat is showing that he's not soft, um, and it, it, I love it. Well, I think Chris Finch has always said that, you know, and, and I, I think soft is a relative term whenever we're talking about NBA players because you have to be a certain archetype to even get to that league. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris Finch has always said that, you know, people conflate soft with skilled and if you're a big man and you're skilled and don't just, you know, 
bully, bulldoze over people, then you must be soft. Um, I think what you know, one, he doesn't have to go down to the dunker spot or he doesn't have to get low post touches because Rudy's down there anyway. Uh, and two, I think they're using his skill sets a little bit better in terms of, okay, now how do we give him an advantage when he's being guarded by smaller players and they're putting him on the nail? You know, when he does post up, he's not necessarily trying to get that deep block post up. They're putting him at the net, they're putting him on the nail, or they're putting him at the elbow area and letting him close up from there. And so now you're 15 feet away from the basket as opposed to 20 feet away from the basket. You're one step away from getting by your first person and not necessarily having to bulldoze or, you know, you don't have to crab dribble to get to your spot. And then they have to respect the fact that you can shoot the one leg fade, you know, and, and so they're just putting him in a position to better utilize his skill sets and he doesn't have the pressure of having to go down there and bang because Rudy's already down there and Rudy's going to be in the way if he goes out there to try to bang. So I think really figuring out their spacing has been key. But again, that's where the continuity comes from and that's where the playing together comes from. And it mm-hmm. goes back to, you know, the play we talked about with Mike in the Charlotte game, understanding their spacing to the level where he dictated the spacing to a difference of a foot or two mm-hmm. feet. Right. Yeah. We we talked we talked about that spacing thing too in a in a prior podcast where it was gonna take a little time to figure just that out. That spacing. Yeah. It's not you don't have two guards, you know, two guards, it's typically figuring out who's in the, you know, who's got the ball in there and you can go five out with two guards and there's room for either one of them depending on where the ball. Right. And then it just comes down to getting the, you know, sharing the ball together. Right. But with two bigs they don't have the ball in their hand the whole time, so they're literally trying to find places to where they're not in each other's way, right. where they're not in the guard's way, and that all comes down to spacing, um, like you said. And, I, oh, by the way, real quick, again, genius level stuff, how cool is it to see them spacing Rudy all the way to the court? Right. That's so cool. <laughs> no, we need to see him make a three. Well, he can make one, but don't get happy. Even you said that, you were like, no. Oh, yeah. I was never sure. I was just ready to see if you were going to say, yeah. I mean, look at him. You know, if, if he makes two for seven for the season, we're good. Right. <laughs> um, so the Hornets, uh, three minutes left. They found a way to win the game again. Um, and they went three and three since we talked last. Um, they beat the Grizzlies as we were in the last podcast. Sorry, three and oh. Um, and then they beat the Grizzlies while we were talking in our last yeah. podcast. So I went another four-game winning streak um, since we were here last. Uh, coming up, I've got the Spurs and the Grizzlies again. Um, two games that, dare I say, we expect to win, um, even without Ant and Jaden in the lineup still. Um, and we talked about our podcast, potentially Ant's return. And when we think that it could be, and um, after some discussion, we were looking at that Grizzlies game. Um, I thought maybe some limited minutes in that Grizzlies game just to get him back into the swing of things, into the flow of the offense, so that when they go to uh, New Orleans to play the Pelicans, that he has had um, some live time under his belt. Um, and then also Jaden possibly returning um, at the Pelicans or maybe after against the Mavericks um, as they start the stretch of, when I say 14 or 16, one of the two. 16 um, games of teams currently over 500. Yep. 
Um, yeah. And so they're they're going to need they're going to need everybody for that stretch. Um, and we talked about you know being content um, at bare minimum with them coming out five hundred eight and eight throughout the stretch, just because they're playing teams that you know if, if you do better than that, that's amazing. But at bare minimum, you have to win every other night. Um, or get on a little roll and maybe lose a couple, but you want to for sure come out of that no less than 500. Yeah, and that's, you know, and and even coming out of that 500, you might still get some separation. I mean, Denver's getting it rolling and they're getting back healthy. Jamal Murray's, you know, he comes back from a hamstring, rolls an ankle, but, you know, he'll, he'll, he, they're starting to get healthy. Um, I still think Phoenix is going to make, you know, oh, Phoenix scares me. Phoenix scares me. It's just that's what, especially second half of the season. Um, but you know, let's say they get these two games coming up, and they don't they don't drop one, you know, and then you go into that stretch, and you're what seventeen and four, eleven games over, or thirteen games over five hundred, and you come out of that eight and eight, you know, you come out of that sixteen game stretch, and you're still thirteen games over five hundred, and then you give yourself room to gotta go on another run mm -hmm. when you play some uh, weaker teams that probably. You know, we're starting to get toward that point of the NBA season where the bad teams start to feel bad. I think we saw that in Utah. In the beginning of the season, it's all fun and, and glitz and glamour until you realize that you've lost eight out of your last two basketball <laughs> right. games and then right. out and such. Right. right. Um, and it's, it's tough to find a way to give back yeah. just knowing that, you know, at that level of knowing that guys just have more talent and, and yeah. this art. Um, you know, we're talking about all the great things the Wolves are doing. Well, when you're sitting there really not having a ton of talent, a lot of youth around your team, and you guys are just trying to figure things out, uh, it's hard. It's hard to find a way to win a game. And that's why some of the talented teams sit some, you know, they, they're dealing with this load management because the talent gap is so different or so um, wide that you can afford to sit one of your players and still think that you're going to go ahead and win the game. Cold circuit, Mike Conley. Right. I mean, uh, at some point in time, they're going to have to find a stretch of games. I personally believe if he stays healthy, it'll come on the heels of that 16-game stretch where they're like, okay, we're going to give you a load management game. Uh, we're going to find – I mean, I think Jordan McLaughlin coming back will help, will help a lot um, because um, – Especially because they're not looking for a ton of scoring. No, they just need somebody to keep the machine running. You know, they play very similar – in terms of how they manage, you know, right. the, the offense. Uh, Mike Conley gives you better defense, of course, but, uh, you know, I think that getting Jordan Coughlin back will help not only Mike Conley, but I think it will help Shane Milton as well mm -hmm. because then they can play him off ball a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, Jordan McLaughlin was always really good for Jalen Noel, and I think that he'll probably, probably be really good for Shane Milton as well. Um, but, yeah, they, they – this is a team that you start to look further and further out. And this is a team that I don't see a long losing streak coming that gives back kind of these winning stretches. And so you start looking at, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 games over 500 at the end of the season. And you're looking at over 50 wins. And, you know, we've talked about it, how the, the middle of the West is going to be kind of jumbled together. And if you can separate yourself and not be in that crap, you know, um, that'll be huge. If you, can, if you can be on pace to get to a point where, excuse me, if you, you know, play 500 for a stretch, you're still on a 50-plus win pace, 
you know, that's that's where you want to be. Yeah, and we you know, because Denver shut it down really the last what ten games of last season. Going into the playoffs, they were purely focused on getting health for the playoffs and shut it down so they didn't play great basketball at that stretch where they didn't need to because they had done the work already throughout the body of the season. Right. And we, you know, we talk about being happy or content with coming out 500 out of the stretch and people might hear that and be like, well, you're, you're okay with eight and eight with a team that's four, 15 and four right now. Now right. you want to see in the, right. yes. <laughs> um, and they will be okay with that. Right. But it's not the end of the world is what we're saying. Right. And yeah. I, and I, I, I think that the Timberwolves have enough talent to do more than that. But what I, what we're saying is, bare minimum, you want to come out of that 500. And then other those games are on the road. Right. And now you got the bullseye on your back. Yeah. You know, Six, you know yeah, go 16 two games of teams that have won more than they've lost. That's not, that's not easy. They got to go to Philly, to Miami. I mean, these are revenge games also for some of those teams. Those are not going to be easy games. Right. You know, so... But, uh, you know, I, with, with Ann and, and Jaden coming back hopefully soon, um, you know, they're, they're built for all of them. It's just it's the NBA, and you're not going to win every single game. And if they're keep playing defense the way you're playing, you're going to give yourself a chance to be in most of those games. And, you know, you try to steal something on the road along the way, and you try to hold your home court. And as much as the players like to say they don't think about the games ahead of their – they don't look at the schedule, I'm sure there's some that actually don't, but I'm also sure there's some that do. And they're, you know, we're not the only ones looking at this schedule like, wow, like we, we really got something coming. Um, you know, they're not overlooking the next two games, but 16 games with a team over 500, I'm sure they know that's coming. And that on top of, you know, as a player, that, that can be challenging, you know, that can challenge you and motivate you to say, you know, how many, how many can we win here? How, how many good teams can we beat? Well, I think that's why you have a good coach, and that's why you have veteran leadership in the locker room. And even Cat talked about it in his, uh, in his presser uh, after the Charlotte game. This is a team that is focused one game at a time. And I know it sounds cliche, but, you know, he talked about how their mentality is to just figure out how to win tonight's game, mm-hmm. you know, and not look ahead. And, and I, I don't think this team was really looking ahead or looking at it like that. I think that, you know, one thing they learned last year is that this league is really challenging and it doesn't care what people say about you. You got to go out on the court and do it. And I do think that this team is locked in on the next game and not looking ahead. I don't think Chris Finch is going to let them look ahead. I also don't think Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley are going to let them look ahead because these are guys that have been on a team. You know, Rudy has been on a team that finished with the number one record in the West and still hasn't seen the finals. Mike Conley has finished on top three, four seed teams in the West and didn't win the finals. And the way that you get to those high seeds is not by looking out in the schedule. I think we can do that. I think the advanced scouts can do that. I think assistant coaches can do that as they develop game plans for each team that they're going to play. But I think the head coach and the players are locked in on, let's win tonight. Because we can't do anything about what comes next. All we can do anything about is tonight. So let's win tonight and keep building good uh, performances on top of build perf- uh, good performances. Let's keep stacking wins. Let's not... Worry about what we did last year, even though a number of times in the locker room you've heard players say, and you know, and, and if you go to YouTube and listen to the pressers 
and talk about how this year's team is different from last year's team. Um, and that's almost like a reminder. And that's another reason why I don't think they're looking too far ahead is because I think they know what bit them in the butt. We talk about them. We're starting to see those hints of maturity. Well, that's mature. Control what you can control today. You cannot be Philadelphia in Philadelphia while you are playing against uh, Memphis in Memphis or San Antonio at home. So control what you can control today. And, you know, when you have to go deal with a healthy New Orleans team with Zion and CJ and them all healthy, that'll be a problem for that day. Let's run through uh, concerning trends and hope it never ends real quick. And, and uh, thank the listeners for listening and, and get on out of here and see how the week goes. Sounds good. We, uh, we didn't do it last week. So this week right. we are fresh with three new concerns and three new trains. Yes, sir. Um, start with trends. You go first. Yeah. <laughs> um, concerning trends. Concerning trend, I'm going to have to stick with the same things we've, we've been talking about, and that's okay. turnovers and rebounding. Okay. Offensive rebounding, to be exact. Um, out of those two. Or defensive rebounding, the other team's offensive rebounding. Other team's offensive rebounding. Okay. Um, out of the two, I'm going to have to put turnovers at number one just because they're killers. And at both giving up offensive rebounds are killers as well, but turnovers are just lost possessions um, and carelessness that you can control. And it's been an issue all season long now, and um, I know the difference of a team that can control that versus is loose with the ball and turning it over, and um, I want the Timberwolves to get that figured out so that they can take that next step, um, and, and so that's my number one. Yeah, turnovers, and I'll agree with you on that, so we'll have the same number one. Turnovers kept Charlotte in the game in the first half. It would have been a 20-point lead at half if they wouldn't have committed. Just unforced, silly, soppy turnovers. So staying focused with ball control because that's also how you finish number one in the league in defense mm-hmm. is you control the ball on offense. You get the shots you want to get from the places you want to get them from. You don't get the other team started with fast break opportunities. You don't get them jump started. You keep, you keep them pushing up against the wall and grinding all night long. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, and we saw that, you know, the Charlotte game is a perfect example from half to half. They don't win that game if they commit another eight turnovers in the second half. Um, my second one is going to be, I'm a little concerned about the uptick in the foul. Uh, they're still, I believe, uh, in the top five or 10 in the league in terms of, um, fouls committed and our opponent free throws, but it's starting to, excuse me, it's starting to go in the wrong direction. And so, um, that's probably my concerning trend. Number two, what did he, do you have a third one? Um, it has to be Shake Milton. Um, just because, uh, you know, Troy Brown has stepped up in the last couple games, but I think that I think that they really count on Shake figuring that out to be um, that last guard off the bench. And I think if he does figure it out, I think at times he can be an X factor um, to give them a little more scoring and bump up that overall points per game. Um, because he's, you know, he's he's taking shots, enough shots for what his minutes are, but he's not making them. And right, he, and his three-point shooting, his, his shot still looks woefully flat and ugly. And but if he can, you know, that it's a it's a concern that because I know again, if he's able to figure that out, it's going to give them another boost 
And I really do think, as we talked about, that they brought him in looking for him to have a significant role in this offense. I agree. He still hasn't found his way. Uh, again, we're 19 games. It won't be 19 games. Yeah, 15 to 4, 19 games in. Uh, I still think there's going to be three or four games this season where you look back and say, Shake Milton won those games for us with his contribution. Um, you could say that, you know, already Troy Brown's given him a game and a half. I'll give him half of the Charlotte game and definitely say that his contribution was, you know, a full one for the Oklahoma City fourth quarter performance. Um, so, yeah, I can roll with you on Shake Milton, and I agree with you that, you know, they need him to step up. And my prediction is that he will start to find his rhythm when Jordan McLaughlin comes back. And even though that will be a horrible defensive backcourt, um, I can see Jordan McLaughlin, Rudy Gobert, and Shane Milton on the floor at the same time in some second unit actions along with Kyle Anderson to kind of offset the defensive liabilities of Shake because he is a turn style on defense mm -hmm. and, uh, and Jordan McLaughlin. Um, my third concerning trend is going to be Mike Connolly's minutes, but I'm going to put an asterisk by that concerning trend because I know that Dane on his show this week and Kyle Tiggy were really kind of, I almost say Kyle was on a rant of concern about Mike Connolly's minutes and the fact that they're not playing younger guys right now to kind of start to develop and mix in those younger guys that they drafted in the last couple of years, the Minots and the, you know, the Whitnell Morris, yada, yada. And they're playing Mike Conley a lot of minutes. And, you know, on one hand, I'm concerned a little bit about the fact that Mike Conley's playing so many minutes. On the other hand, the coach's mind in me says, this is not a team that's done anything. And we can get a little ahead of ourselves because we're excited as Timberwolves fans and this team is really rolling and we're already thinking playoffs and deep playoff run. Got to have Mike Conley healthy for the playoffs. Cautionary. Chris Finch said it usually takes about 25 games for a team to find out who they are. Let's not worry about Mike Conley's minutes too much until we're after that 25-game mark because now, 19 games in, when they're finally, maybe the cement is setting on their style and they're developing kind of that trust in it and each other. Now's not the time to start playing around with, okay, let's get some of these young guys some experience. We got a lot of season to go. Mike Conley is going to need a break. He is playing 30-plus minutes quite often, heavy minutes at 36 years old. However, I still think we're about five or six, maybe even eight to ten games away from, okay, now it's a real concern. So because there's not a lot to be concerned about right now, I'll kind of say I'm keeping the eye on Mike Conley's minutes, not so much in a rush to get younger guys out there, you know, and see what they got, see what they can do, because I don't think this team has done enough to feel confident enough that they're just going to keep this rolling all season long. I think they're still developing that. Um, but he is playing a lot of minutes. He is. Um, I, just real quick on that, I, I also feel like Mike Conley is smart enough to to be like Chris. Like I, 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 I agree. Now is when I need I games. I need this. I need that. And Chris Finch, I think, it has enough respect for Mike Conley to say, "Yeah, okay." Now we now we start to look at what we need to do for a little bit, and we you know they, they take that step. But yes, I think Mike Conley knows his body. It's not like he's an explosive jumping, running. Flying around. He knows, you know, how, to, he knows how to manage his 
workload. Right. And so, and so I'll explain. That's a positive um, with him. And, and I, I more than anything think that he'll kind of be the one to tell when his body is starting to get a little extra tight the next day after a game. That's a great point. That's a thought that I had too. There's no doubt in my mind that Chris Finch and Mike Colley are having the so how you feeling, Mike? <laughs> right. how, how's the body treating you? And he's, bro, honestly, Mike Conley's been a great player for a long time. Yeah. And he is probably loving this right now. Oh, I'm sure Mike's like, I want to play. Right. I want to play. I'm going I'm to I'm keep rolling to the wheels fall. <laughs> and, 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 and then we'll put you in the shop. You know, give me some new wheels and new tread and be ready for the playoffs. That can revitalize you too, right? Because that, that energy can give you an extra two years on on your career if you have a reason to want to get up and actually stay healthy. We talked about it in the preseason preview, and we'll move on after this comment to uh, hoping that we're in, but we talked about in the preseason preview how Mike looked jacked physically coming into the season. Like he looked bigger and like in superior shape. Uh, stronger than I've ever really seen his shoulders mm-hmm. and body look. And I actually talked with uh, Johnny Krasinski, who gets to be up close and, and you know and, and physically around the players in the locker room and such. And I asked him about that in one of the uh, preseason podcasts. I think it, it might have been his. I don't remember if it was his or if it was the um, Crunch Wears No Fans and, and uh, C&D um, crossover pod. But I asked Johnny about that, and, and he said, yeah, Mike – He's bigger. He, he came in with the mindset of, I got a shot to do something big here. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a great point. Um, hope it never ends. Um, we'll, we'll try to make this one quick. Yeah. Um, mine is, again, the record. I, 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 <laughs> you got to see that week, Kyle. I will. Well, I'm not <laughs> my yips being out. I staying in Minnesota Timberwood with the one seed every single time I open it. And I'm just waiting for them to show not just the one seed in the West, but to overtake the Boston Celtics to be a one seed in the league. I think that is like, I can't ask for nothing more. I hope our winning record never ends. Well, I can't, I can't argue with that. Uh, my hope it never ends is the vibe. You can tell, you know, watching the games, you've been on teams, I've been on teams, I coach basketball. You can tell, you know, our state tournament, our back-to-back state tournament teams that first year, the COVID year when we got a heartbroken because they canceled the state tournament right the day after we won the section championship. There was a vibe about that team where I knew nobody else had a chance. Yeah. I mean, it was so much fun being around those kids and their confidence and their swag. Uh, so I hope the vibe never ends because, man, that vibe is good for the state of Minnesota right now because – the Vikings, we don't know what we're going to get on a Sunday, and the Wild don't seem to have a good vibe, right? <laughs> nope, it is. It is definitely a vibe. Um, my second would be the defensive rating. Um, I, you know, it goes kind of hand-in-hand hand with what their style is and their winning record, but the defensive rating, I love I love when I look up and the, the Timberwolves are holding teams under 110 points, under 100 points. I know that every time they do that, I know that they're still on the right path. Right. I feel like if we get on a stretch of four or five games where teams are scoring 120, 130 points, it's going to look a little different. <laughs> um, but if they're constantly holding teams, you know, to, to staying in that one, two, three defensive rating throughout the year, um, I think they're going to, you know, they're just going to continue riding this trade. All right. Well, my second hope it never ends is the 50 40 90 boys. Uh, to have two guys who have traditionally played center 
shooting 50% from the field for a center is almost like you want that, that you expect that out of a center because they're usually like Rudy getting seven dunks in a row, right? But to see two guys who traditionally play center shooting over 40% from the three-point line and over 90% from the free-throw line, and if you want to know about centers and free-throws, look no further than Rudy Gobert, Shaquille O'Neal, yada, 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 the list goes on. So I hope that those guys, I hope that, you know, 40, 41 games in, halfway through the season, post-All-Star break, we look up and the Timberwolves are making history with two guys over six foot nine, both shooting 40% from the three-point line and 90% from the free-throw line. And just to be clear, in case you didn't know, we are not talking about Rudy Gobert. That's not what we're reading Carl Anthony Town. I think when you hear two centers in Minnesota, you're not really thinking I agree. So those are the two people we're talking about. Now the reading has been shooting the lights. You ain't shooting Rudy's not shooting the 40% from free and 90% from uh, free front out. But I think you shoot 50% from the field. Oh man, it is seven for seven with seven dunks to start the game last night. So I think whatever his shooting percentage was coming in the last night, it went way up after a 10 for 12. Um all right, and then my last, I uh, hope it never ends, um, would be the just the media around the Timberwolves. Um, I think that they're talking, you know, instead of this is never going to work anymore, I think the narrative is kind of flipped, and uh, there's a lot of positivity about what's going on. Um, and I, I like opening that up and seeing that, you know, like you're saying, even though not all of us needed to apologize, people are looking at it like, oh, what, what were we what was we thinking, or what were we worried about, or what? Yeah, what, did, what, what did we miss that Tim Connolly saw? Right. So you missed the coach in the culture podcast all spring and summer. That's what you missed. I said it in there. Now maybe we'll get some national attention because it's still ain't giving us that. Now, granted, football season is still here, so they're kind of holding down on the basketball front. But I hope when football season ends, that these people put some respect on these terrible names and start talking about them a little bit. To that note, I am just. Praying for the day where Charles Barkley has to go on national TV and eat his words. Um, my hope it never ends. My third hope it never ends is kind of twofold. Uh, I'll give it a one. I'll give it a three A and three B. Three A is I hope the Target Center stays full and the crowd stay rocking. Whether I've been at the game, I've been at a couple this year, or whether I've been watching on TV the whole game. Target Center is rocking, man. It is so much fun to feel in the city, that environment where the Timberwolves have a home game. So that's my 3A. And then my 3B is, I hope it never ends, is the coach and the culture's uh, spring and summer statements about this Wolves team and continuity and defense and, and, um, and, and trust. Uh, I hope that never ends. I hope that you know, 75 games in, heading into the playoffs, we are still tooting our horn. Toot, toot. <laughs> <laughs> well, go back to the track record. That's what's going to happen because it's, you know, I, I you know, full ex- uh, disclosure, I, I don't coach nor watch a ton of basketball outside of Timberwolves, but this man right here does. Lead, sleeps, breathes, basketball. He's been doing it since the day he was born. Pretty From his father down to him. Now, down to me. Just a little altered, but this <laughs> man knows what he's talking about. And I say it and say it again. I cannot wait for him to get his opportunity to coach a team of his own. Because when that time comes, that team has just a little bit of talent. 
I promise you, y'all are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not going to take long for him to get to that championship level. I promise you we'll play defense and rebound. Uh, speaking of which, I wish you Spartans. We start our season off on Tuesday night, first game, so I'm excited about that. Uh, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about how our season kicked off as well as how the Timberwolves did in this upcoming week next Sunday on our episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you've had fun. I want to apologize for my, I got a little cold, not COVID, cold uh, going on that I've been fighting off. So I apologize for the, for the uh, sound of my voice. But man, that's lots of fun. Uh, again, thank you to the Dream Shop. This is where we're at, the wonderful Dream Shop on 37 North Freeman Avenue North. Uh, every other weekend, uh, every other Sunday, we record our podcast and I. Uh, from the Dream Shop Studios. And um, so we'll be back here in two weeks. Up oh, here come the owner of the Dream Shop now ready to kick us out. And until then, I want to say thank you for listening and supporting the Coach in the Culture podcast. Check us out on um, all of your podcast uh, hosting stations, Spotify, uh, Audible, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, working on our YouTube joint uh, and uh, hit us up on X, a.k.a. Twitter, or Twitter, a.k.a. X, at Coach Crooner still until we can get that fixed. Also, at Coach Culture Minneapolis on Instagram and the Coach and the Culture on Facebook. Uh, please give us some feedback. Let us know you're listening. Um, thank you so much, Twin Cities and around the world. Peace. Peace.